From Suffolk County, New York, this program is sponsored in part by WUSB, Long Island's largest non-commercial free-form radio station. Check them out at 90.1 FM or online at WUSB.FM. Previously on Writers Come Ice Cream. My name is Howard Gunston, and I want to be a writer when I grow up. I am sorry to say I don't think it's one for me. Star Wars, the rebirth. And describe the experience of Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream. Cure for all ales. So I've got to know, what's it take to be a writer? Huh, that's a good question. The biggest thing is to actually write. This is my line number one. It was the moment I died, and it wasn't even the worst moment of my day. This is Writer's Comma Ice Cream, a weekly craft talk where a pair of scribblers risk brain freeze to answer one question. What's it take to be a writer? And I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. This is Matthew Seary, reading from his debut novel, The Record Profits. You need someone to bring this business back, to give it a voice, to revitalize it. You need someone who could perform with a modicum of craftsmanship, and I'm telling you, Malcolm, I can do it. It's a crime thriller about Spear Records and Entertainment, a failing record label that finds its artists a more profitable dead than alive. Why do you hate the music industry so much? Uh, Did someone run over your cat? It it seems like, and I know I guess every generation when you lose your music. You know, I teach high school kids. And everything they come up with. kids these days. Everything they come up with. I listen to it, and I hear nothing that I could actually, that nothing will be playing in 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And... Which is probably what, like, every generation says. Exactly. And and it depends where you're listening. And I always thought the bands I love are now way too old to tour, or I've seen them too often. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like my music, it's gone. And it's kind of like that art form for me. Like, I'm listening to less and less music. I I have a great radio station I love, 92.9. And let's not forget 90.1 WUSB. Um, but it ju- I wanted to write something almost like a lament. Like, that is gone. That industry is gone. And that way of nurturing, f- from what I know. Because right. I'm also kind of ignorant in how that stuff works anyway. I mean, it's interesting because it, it sort of sounds like this is a bit of a love letter to yeah. these pieces of almost childhood in a way that seem to be changing away from us absolutely gone and absolutely correct when you were growing up were you going to concerts a lot was music a big piece of your childhood identity yep we i tried to convince my father to let me go see it was either sixth grade maybe to go see bush do you remember them Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't let me but he took me the next year to go see ozzy osbourne and whatnot my also first experience with uh marijuana uh secondhand but Though that those types of memories, like what would a parent get to share with their kid now? Like what 
concert am I going to take my sons to? And I don't know music that's out there. I really don't. Right. It's like you have to search. You have to be on the in. And I was never the in crowd. You know what I mean? It was never, I never picked the band that exposed I exposed the band to everybody else and made it cool. And I don't know without these types of businesses that produced and helped these bands and gave them funding and uh, guidance. Without them, I don't know where pop music is going to go. I re- you know, so that was my. I, it's dead. Right. <laughs> I've got to move on. But Matt didn't quite move on, did he? He channeled this frustration and affection into a novel a published novel. In many ways, Matt represents what Carrie Horner and I both feel we lack, street cred. He's got a bona fide book on his hands. It's available for purchase online from either Barnes & Noble or Amazon. He's even got shelf space in local bookstores, such as Bookhampton. If the mark of earning the writer's badge is publishing a book, then Matt's duly deputized. And yet, it's a badge he's uncomfortable wearing. So you start this thing on crowd, on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and you wind up reaching your target goal, mm-hmm. and then you submit it to, what was the name of the publisher? Uh, Silverwood. Silverwood Publishing, and the book comes out to print, and you actually have this book that you could like sit 20 copies on your coffee table and be like, oh, I'm sorry, is my book in your way? Let me move my book. <laughs> and yet you don't feel comfortable... S- referring to yourself as a writer well because it's like an amalgam it's all of the influences i've had at for the authors i love are in this book and it's i have a voice i definitely do but it's definitely there from other people so Mm -hmm. i got i had this idea i got it out there it's not plagiarized or anything like that but it's and it's definitely mine it's just not and it's a you weird see way the influences yes. of the... And I haven't developed myself as a writer yet to have a book where I could say, this is a style all my own. This is complete and characters you've never met before, you've never seen before. I mean, this is a story that follows a pretty uh, standard plot. And like anything, you develop, even professionals, and I'm not one, obviously, you develop your own sense through experience. So that's what... I want to keep moving towards having something that's truly my own. I wrestle with the same thing, but I don't have a book with but my name on it. When, when do you think you'll feel comfortable saying, yeah, yeah Matt, uh, I write? After book number two. Listener, Matt didn't answer that question lightly. For him, a second book proves a confidence in the art form, an ability to find fresh stories to tell, and is where he expects to find his own unique voice. But even with just this one book, his experience surpasses my own. Writer's comma ice cream has ventured into the promised land, a land of the published. I've got questions, and Matt's a guy with answers. First, like some demographic stuff. How long did it take you to write this? How long to get to the first draft? Uh, I, it started out actually as a short story. Um, I wrote that late last, either July or August. Excuse me. And my cousin, who also writes, uh, I sent it to her, and she said, this has to be longer. It's a good idea that needs to be flushed out. Flushed out, rather. And through rewrites and first draft, before I actually sent it, I would say it was November, December-ish. 
and I knew I was working on a clock because my wife was doing March. Uh, that's a clock. So that's a clock. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> I had a draft done in about, I'd say, three or four months. Wow. And the story is short, purposely. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in less is more, uh, in terms of what details you allow the reader to develop as opposed to telling them. It was all said and done and published by April 3rd. So it was late summer last year to early spring this year. And you actually crowdfunded this, right? Yes. I went through Kickstarter, if we can say official names. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> Kickstarter. Give shout-out to Kickstarter. Kickst- it worked. I've heard crowdfundme, or was it GoFundMe, right. is also, I don't know if they charge much. But um, I thought, I, it was funny, because I thought I saw you on on the go GoFundMe one. I don't know. No Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It was... Look at me being like, I don't think you know which site you used. Well, I, I may have given a GoFundMe. No, it was Kickstarter. It was definitely Kickstarter. But Kickstarter lasted... Maybe that was... That ended in January? Late December? I actually don't remember. And by then I had had... I've been in contact with the... On December 30th, 2014, successfully raised 2,690 U.S. dollars with 37 backers. Well, the thing... Yay! No, that was a good feeling. The thing with that is um, the damn conversion rate to the British pound kills you. I wish I could have afforded it myself. I Kickstarter, it's not like a cop-out. It's just... Hey everybody, pay for my art, you know, type of a thing. Well, uh, it's got to start somewhere. It does, and, you know, and I think that that's if we do that for tech gadgets, why not books? That's so, and it worked. I, I, I am very proud of what came out of it. And Matt should be proud because he locked in thirty-seven financial backers before the book ever saw the light of day. On the surface, thirty-seven funders doesn't sound like a lot. Who doesn't know at least thirty-seven people? To put that in perspective, though, six weeks after I launched my Facebook author page, it achieved 86 likes. He got nearly half that in just four weeks with one crucial difference. My 86 likes required a $0 commitment. His 37 backers? They had skin in the game, crucial support that let him be picky in his choice of a publishing house. I did a lot of research on people to use, and they, you know, create spaces out there and those other little helpers. Um, but these people offer for the novice. You have no experience. You don't know any of this stuff. They offer the uh, copy editing. They offer the packaging. The um, cover art actually was done by one of my friends, but they modified it to make it look professional. They did the formatting, and I basically had a liaison the whole time. So from January on through April, when a revision, they were quick. They worked with me. The copy edit came back. I lost 12 pages my first copy edit. I said, holy cow. Oh, my God. <laughs> holy cow. So so the copy editing, not content, but the copy editing mm-hmm. killed 12 pages. Was that because of spacing or? No, it was um, at one point it was a storyline that basically took away from the plot. Okay. It, it was something – I had added in there 
almost something that came to mind that I wanted to express, but it didn't move the plot along. And after a little, you know, how could they edit me? I'm the author. Uh, I said, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. So I rewrote an entire section and added it in there, which fit more with actually what the company started to do. So it's interesting because that sounds like you kind of had a great hybrid experience because a lot of people, when they, when, you know, I've talked to self-published authors, it's they have to catch those things themselves. And when you're traditionally publishing, that's one of the things that the editors of the publishing house are looking for. But it sounds like you got that through this company that you dealt with that were actually drawing things to your attention. Yep. So is that all part of, because I don't know how this works, is that all part of you pay them one fee and then, mm-hmm. or is it an a la carte situation where you're, I'll take this and this, but not this? If you have, they tailor to what you need. So if you have, they do have packages, but if you have, um, let's say you have a copy editor, a friend who can do it, they won't charge you for that. If you have a graphic designer who can get you the cover, they won't do that. Silverwood Publishing is named. They are phenomenal. Excuse me. And for someone who's never had experience with it, and I teach English, and I was embarrassed to see some of the edits come back. But that <laughs> I've, I chalked Your it up. Students to, shall yeah, not know. Yeah, <laughs> they won't read it. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, they won't read it. Uh, <laughs> but they, ha- you have a realization that you need help. Uh, you need somebody, a different set of eyes. And uh, my friends read it, and I had a couple, I guess they call them beta readers or whatever they are. Right. But this company allows you to work with a professional set of eyes, work with professional designers, and people who aren't just going to tell you, it's great, let's go with it. They'll tell you if something, it's if it's clunky, if it's not going where the plot should go, they'll tell you. And that's honestly what I needed. Um, Is there a minimum order that you have to place when you're self-publishing, or you get to just pick it? This I'll one, have 12 books. I'll have 500 books. This one For this company, they set up what's called print-on-demand. So it's not a warehouse them sitting anywhere. As I order, they come in, or as you order your hard copy on Amazon, it gets printed and shipped. So... I can order as many or as few as I like at printing cost. Listener, how do we sell these books? In the traditional route, the publisher exerts a bit of muscle on the author's behalf. How much muscle varies, but at the minimum, a traditional publisher gives a debut author a bit of clout that self-published authors are often denied. Matt found local media outlets disinclined to review his book, much less announce the release of it, because he was self-published. You open your own business. Oh, Good luck. I'll support you. You wrote your own book and self-published it? Pfft, amateur. Mm. Couldn't get that contract. It's. It seems like it's the last artistic uh, avenue where people still hold that prejudice. Why do you think that is? Um, that's a really good question, and I think it's because there have been so many awful self-published books out there. I think yeah, because some of I think some of the counterpoint is that as difficult as it is and time consuming as it is to get through traditional publishing, the gatekeepers provide a bit of vetting to that end product. Oh, absolutely. And in self-publishing, anybody can just bypass those gatekeepers. And yet, 
there are examples after examples of really successful self-published books that kind of break that break that mold. Mm-hmm. They have. I think self-publishing has also been associated mainly with romance novels, mm. um, with vanity publishers who take what they want. They don't really edit. They just put it out there. And some of them are awful. And so most, you know, conversely, I've read many published books that are, I couldn't read. I right. had to put down. Um, but I think people don't, they have two hours or an hour and a half to watch a movie. They, some people don't want to spend, you know, with little time they have to read, reading something they don't trust. And they still, I guess, like you said, trust a vetted publisher. But a publisher is out to make money. Mm-hmm. And again, I haven't. I didn't even send out query letters. I did none of that process, so I can't. It's not even like a sour grapes type of a thing. It's just in. I didn't see if there is an avenue to go down, an opportunity. Why not take it? Thirty-seven backers, eighty-six followers. Whatever the metric we use to establish interest in an author pre-book launch, this is where it gets tricky. Once that book is published, we need readers who want that book. More specifically, we need readers to buy that book. What's been that experience like, trying to sell the merch? Um, that is a learning experience. I've never been a really good uh, hustler in any way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an educator, and I'm a, you know, an entertainer when I do that. Right. Except when I don't have a forced audience, you know, no. <laughs> you mean the kids aren't just voluntarily yeah. showing up? Hey, Mr. Siri, <laughs> what's going on today? What book report can I do tonight? Exactly. I, I haven't figured out how to push it in class without what being do you, fired. What, what grade do you teach? Uh, 10th and 11th. 10th and 11th? Yeah. So, um, trying just to reach people, I'm starting with bare bones, uh, make business cards, Facebook messages, trying to... Uh, yeah, I did a giveaway on Goodreads. Yeah, the business cards were. I have to. Oh, I have it here somewhere. I've lost your business card. Uh, but I have your business. The business card was really cool, actually, because I, it's the cover art yep. on the business card. So you're kind of already like branding yourself. And that's what. It's simple and to the point. It's like, ooh, what's this? Turn it over. It's uh, marketing. I'm not too good at. So when when the book launch when the when you get when you got the books did mm-hmm. you stage an initial book launch? Not immediately. So no. when was the first book? What's t- kind of give us a flavor on how you've approached selling the book? Uh, I mean, I saw you at a restaurant where you were. Have you done many of those? That was actually the first time I went to a public gathering like that, and a, many of those people had already purchased the book, but I did sell a decent number there. Uh, but just trying to get them to spread the word, trying to the giveaway on Goodreads actually, as far as I know, did uh, pretty well. So how does that work? The the giveaway on Goodreads. You enter as many books as you want to give away for free. Okay. So I gave ten away. So you you create an account yep. essentially on Goodreads, and I have a book, yep. and then you can say how many. You you set up uh, your own account. You set up how many you want to give away, and you know you can give them all over the world or just the U.S. I limited to the U.S. because I don't nice. want to pay that. You're much using for an international publishing company, and then you don't even give them any love. What can I say way to keep it on this side of the pond? What can I say? Yeah, we had to f- change yeah. a few Z's to S's in their spelling too, but you know, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Damn Z's! Yeah. But um, you know, a little over 500 people entered to win it. Matt, that's outstanding. And you have, I think, 
the average for that is a little higher, except there's no – the Internet is – if you think bookstores are tough to find random things in, the Internet, Amazon, you don't just go on the Amazon and see a list. You have to search for something. So if you're not aware of it, you're yeah. never going to find it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you something about Amazon, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what – and I meant to ask another author, and I forgot, but mm-hmm. when you – you f- I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you're here sure. and give you a second so you can eat more ice cream. What does – at the bottom of the, the page, it says, like, Amazon bestsellers rank. It was is one that like million this morning. Three. What, what does this mean? Like, what is this? That means – you know what? I think that means – And then there's, like, a different number. Like, your number 4509 – I don't – like – how could you possibly be book number 45,000 in there? I mean, that seems low to me for well, all the books in the Amazon store. Three million. Jeez, I dropped 1.5 million in an afternoon. You uh, really tick someone off. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. That's why I say I'm not a marketing man. I but don't, you have... I want to do more of these ice cream podcasts. Right. That'll make up the difference <laughs> right there. Listener, tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, out of... It is. It's funny because when one is purchased, that number drops to, and this even for the hard copy, the number drops to about one hundred and fifty thousand. So seeing that you to sell, I think where was I reading? If you're selling, you know, hundreds of books a week, you're going to be in the top one hundred. So this number here, which, which I guess right now is because I'm the English major, it's three million. 238,967. So it says Amazon bestsellers rank. 3,238,967. And you mentioned that you were actually at like a a lower number, which is a higher number, I guess, Mm -hmm. right? So you were at a better number for those of us directionally challenged. (laughs) All on. uh, And how long ago was that that you saw? This morning. This morning. When I was at 1.2. It was literally this morning. Nope. So what, what do you make of that? Like, what what could that possibly? That seems unfathomable. That's, and then, how useful is this number? It's for me. It's that. It's honestly, I keep checking it out of insecurity and vanity. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's not even. I can't even lie. It's like, ooh, where am I? Where do you would I, find where yourself else at like one be? in the morning, waking up in bed oh, and being like, I, waiting, <laughs> waiting for the baby to wake up? Oh, where am I now? Has anybody bought it? And it, it's. Unless you're the bestseller, that's not going to change much anyway. Listener, do you hear the same self-doubt that I do? We shan't have that here at Writers, Ice Cream. Matt says he's an entertainer who yearns to be a writer. He just needs that next idea. Well, let's give him a chance to flaunt those writerly skills in an entertaining way. And who knows, maybe he'll find that next idea. Okay, listener, time to break out this week's flavor. This is Cookie Dough's second appearance on the show. The Calderones, Marianne, Olivia, and Nicholas, gave the flavor a go in episode one, offering Ben and Jerry's a few marketing slogans that we promptly trademarked for them. I was going to ask you if you wanted me to pick the ice cream up. Well, that would have that was that would have that was a really. But notice how I you didn't. Ask. <laughs> so like the, that was a really sweet thought that was there. Yep. Uh, for an offer that never made it. it mm. So. But but thank you for thinking of possibly making that offer. It's the old adage, you know, it is the thought. Mm-hmm. It didn't come out of my mouth, and it didn't, mm-hmm. but hey. But the thought was there. You might have been inclined. <laughs> Describe for listener what cookie dough 
tastes like? What is this experience of eating Ben and Jerry's cookie dough? I will have to eat a little more. I, 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 I appreciate, first of all, that you chose cookie dough mm-hmm. and that we have this opportunity to eat cookie dough. My first thoughts, mm-hmm. obviously when, uh, I don't know if you've had a parent who baked. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom didn't bake too well, but when she did bake, the raw dough was always better than the finished product. Not so much now. And it's that sweet, delicious, and I dare say decadent thought of that raw cookie dough that I love, surrounded by this. I love how you went decadent. There is, I I mean, it's funny because every time I have this flavor, you're right, I do kind of flash back to being in the kitchen as a kid and the baking and just thinking, why am I not just eating this raw concoction right here? They say, oh, why might that kill me? I have eaten, if you calculate the amount of raw eggs you've eaten from eating raw cookie dough, we'd all be dead. But I feel like that would be alarmingly similar to the statistic of how many spiders you swallow that, in the course of your lifetime. Well, Which, how do we even figure that out? Like, how are <laughs> Who they... Who said they're watching, not who, stopping right? that? And not stopping it, right. They're just watching the spot. Oh, there's another what? one. Here's, Tick. Here yep. we go. Now let's give Matt a chance to self-edit. He said he's in search of an idea for his second book. Well, as longtime listener of our now three-episode-old show knows, an invitation to ice cream has a catch, a writing prompt. Each guest sees the same visual prompt. We put five minutes on the clock and ask for a complete moment inspired by what they see. At the end of the season, we'll be sharing the complete story as well as the picture. In the meantime, we're interested in the process by which writers get from the opening line to the last line. See, and this is how things influence you and you don't even realize. The Back to the Future marathon was on today. I don't know why, but I just named the character Marty. There we go. He just got crossed out. He's getting renamed. <laughs> go with Marty. No. Give Marty some love. Why can't there be another Marty? All right. So if you would please, Matthew Siri, mm-hmm. read for us from your visual prompt, line one. Hey, asshole. You didn't see the cones? That is great. That is great. All right. And we that brings us to the last line, which is? While the worker flung a new insult from the top level, Marty nervously hustled across the street to the west bus stop. He checked his phone, pulled at his collar, and waited. Uh, uh, you kept Marty alive. You didn't read yeah, Marty. No, I, you had to go with it. I had to go with Marty. So how did you bring us into your craft for a moment? How did you approach this? Did you know the ending when you began, or did you start at the beginning? How did you get from first not, from first line to last line? Uh, the, the prompt said something to me about some type of construction. Um, I was lost on the way in here, and I could picture somebody frustrated, get the heck out of my way. I'm trying to move in. I'm trying to go to college, and this dumbass is in my way. I like having a conflict, starting with a conflict. Yeah. That is how I I think most people should write. If it's not, if, if things aren't in flux, there's no reason to read it. Which kind of leads to the overarching kind of question of this podcast. Having done your first book and knowing a bit about how the sales and everything work here, Matt, in your opinion, what does it take to be a writer? Uh, I, I think you have to hit a niche. And I've read that, and I didn't want to believe it at first. 
I thought, you know, good writing and a good story will get you fans. Um, E.L. James wrote about sex. It, come on. I mean, if it, you are so jaded. Oh, I, you are so you have jaded. No idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm shaking my head only because if I had to fund this myself and the first, I guess, royalty check I'm getting, uh, math was never my strong suit, but I'm not that dumb. I can figure out what I spent versus what I made. And the, I also saw many times as I was researching this, you know, go the self-publishing route. Um, you're not in this for the money yet. You know what I mean? Yep. It's uh, as much as I want to dream that, oh, thousands, millions will sell. I could just relax. My wife can... Common core be damned. Oh. I've got... <laughs> By the time I'm actually selling, that'll be gone anyway. Matthew Seary, a writer who reached that most coveted milestone of aspiring writers everywhere. Published. The record Profits is available for sale from Bookhampton, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Quite an achievement. But what if he had published traditionally? Would pushing the goods be any easier? That's next time on Writers, Ice Cream, and a Traditional Debut with Robert Howley. You want people to give anything, your book, a chance. You see people give such awful movies, such awful music, such awful other stories, chances, and you look at yours just sitting there, floundering, hey, a chance. How about yeah, now? You don't know me. You don't. But it's not bad. And I think it's also... It's I think that should have been your tagline in your business. Plan. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> it's the record profits. It's, it's not bad. You've read worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You've read worse. <laughs> That's it.